Well, good morning, everybody, on to this beautiful morning, a beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, as we head back to church for the first time, we're allowed to gather with uh, 50 people and less. So we look forward to just gathering around God's Word together this morning. We're busy with a journey through the book of Romans, uh, a wonderful book where Paul is writing to the Roman church to share his gospel, to speak of the glorious gospel uh, in which he believes and to pre- prepare the way for his trip to Spain, uh, his mission to Spain. And so wanting to write to this new church that he's never visited before, planning on visiting, but wanting them just to be on the same page with regards to the gospel. And last week we saw God's wrath, Paul says, being uh, revealed in these last days as he hands people over to their sinful desires, the sinful desires of their hearts, their shameful lusts and their depraved minds. And we saw in the result in verse 29 to 32 of chapter 1 is that um, as God hands people over to their sinfulness, they become filled with every kind of wickedness. And Paul enlists this depravity that we see around us in the world today. And uh, a depravity that we are so familiar with and we recognize even uh, as we read this list of things, we realize that nothing has changed, that our world has always been filled with wickedness as God hands people over to the things that they desire. And we're reminded again that chapter 1 is the start of a journey that Paul is taking us to remind us and to point us out to the fact that none of us are righteous. There's not even one in chapter 3. Paul wants to reach that conclusion. And so he wants us to be fully aware of our sinfulness and our brokenness in order to fully grasp the wonder and the glory of the gospel. And isn't that just a... um, just such a truth that before we can fully grasp the grace that uh, we have received in Christ, we really do need to realize how sinful we all are. But many of us, as we read chapter 1, we, we actually have other people in mind. Many, when we read chapter 1, we think of how bad others are and how terrible our world out there is. And we use words to speak about our world like we, with words like them and they to describe sinful people in our world. We all know people who are da 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 And very, very often we don't actually even, ever really mentally apply this list of <coughs> every kind of wickedness to ourselves. And we don't count ourselves often in the same boat as other sinners. You know, many of us will say this morning, Paul, I'm not a murderer. I didn't commit adultery or commit sexual sin as described in chapter 1. So I'm not depraved. In fact... I'm a fairly good person. And if statistics are to be believed, well, 70% of South Africans believe they are genuinely good people. So maybe as we start this morning in chapter 2, maybe I can ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being terrible, 10 being very good, what type of person do you believe you are this morning? What type of person? Do you believe you're a good person? Maybe do you believe you're a... A slightly bad person? Or do you believe that you are totally depraved this morning? Well, many people believe that if we just do good deeds, if we are just good people and do good enough good things for others, God will then never judge us. We'll earn enough merit points to get into heaven. And this will then get us and secure our place in eternity. But as we start chapter 2, Paul is going to remind us that the truth is this is that good deeds will never save us. Paul is going to remind us that not one of us is actually a good person by nature. 
There is no one this morning who can call themselves truly good because we all have sinful hearts and no matter how many good deeds we do, these good deeds will not ultimately save us or secure eternity for us. And doesn't Jesus himself say exactly the same thing in Mark chapter 10 verse 17 and 18 when a young man approaches him, a young man who was a perfect law keeper, a young man who uh, thought he kept the Ten Commandments and as he approaches Jesus in his self-righteousness he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And listen to Jesus' response. Jesus says in verse 18 of Mark chapter 10, why do you call me good? There is no one good. No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. See, the truth and the reality of chapter 2 that we're about to read and hear from this morning is that there is not a single person who can call themselves good because we are all tainted, deeply affected to the heart, to the core, by sin. Only God is good. And so in chapter 2, Paul actually addresses the persons this morning the men and women listening here this morning who think they are good enough for God, who think that they are better than others in the world, they are more righteous than those around them. So coming out of chapter 1, you might have listened to last week's sermon and said, well, Quinton, that doesn't actually apply to me because I'm not that depraved. Well, Paul hears your objection. Paul hears your, your thinking. It's almost as like he reads your thoughts as he enters chapter 2. And he begins to target the person who thinks that they are morally okay. Who thinks that we are good, we're not that bad, God's not really going to judge me. Who thinks I am more righteous than those around me. The one who considers himself better than others, but yet his heart is as sinful and as broken as the rest of them. And we use this term, we often call this self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is when we believe that we can be saved on the basis of our own goodness and not on the basis of God's grace alone. And so Paul turns the tables on the readers and he says, You therefore have no excuse as he starts chapter 2. You being the good people, you being good people, you being the, the good Jewish people that you are who believe you are saved by the law, you being the good people who think that morally I'm better than the person next to me, so I'm not that bad. See, folk, we need to realize this morning, and the truth that you need to take away, is that good people don't go to heaven. Sinners saved by the righteousness of God revealed go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven, but only sinners who are saved by the righteousness of God revealed go to heaven. So let's read our text, let's pray, and let's get straight into this challenging message this morning. So Romans chapter 2 from verse 1 uh, to the end of verse 11. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, 
You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what He's done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Just so far. But let's, uh, let's pray before we get into God's word. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word this morning. We pray that you would guide our hearts, that you would convict us of our own self-righteousness. Lord, help us to truly understand our state and our position before you without Jesus. And may the, the truth and the seriousness of that bring us to a place of repentance. May it challenge our stubborn thoughts and our stubborn hearts that we would be truly broken and repentant and realize how much we need Jesus this morning. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> well, the first thing we notice from these little verses that were read to us, is that self-righteous people will be judged. Did you see that in verse 1? Verse one? Self-righteous people will be judged. Verse 1, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever what point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. And it was a famous singer from the Beatles, John Lennon, who said, the world does not hate the fact that Christians make mistakes, but the world hates Christians who make mistakes and pretend they don't, act as if they don't. Isn't it amazing how often we look at the world and we judge the world? We sit in judgment of others so quickly and so easily. When we look at people out there, we, we judge so quickly, we stand against so quickly, we raise their causes against them so easily. But when we look at ourselves, when we look at our own lives, we often overlook or ignore our own mistakes and make excuses for them so easily as well. You see, we are super forgiving when it comes to ourselves so often, or we, we overlook those little things. We call those our sins little things, but we, we judge others so, so harshly. See, we condemn the faults of others, but then in our turn we excuse our own faults. And that's what Paul is talking about. That is who Paul is talking to. And Sigmund Freud, the, the um, great um, psychologist or inventor of psychology, basically called, called this projection. He says often when we look at others, we project our guilt onto others. We're super condemning of someone who's struggling with a specific sin, often because we ourselves are struggling with that sin. We, we project our feelings and our guilt onto others. And so be careful how quickly we judge the world. And the same standard by which we judge people out there, we need to be judging our own hearts. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point Paul says you judge the other, you actually are condemning yourself. And Thomas Hobbes, the 17th century philosopher, describes good people in the following. Listen how he talks about good people. Good people are people who force to keep themselves in their own favor. So we are good people are, are people who are forced to keep themselves in their own favor, in their own good opinion, by observing the imperfections of others. 
And so he says a good person is someone who looks at the faults of others and points them out so that he can feel good about himself. My mom always used to say with much wisdom, when we point one finger at others, we always have three fingers pointing back at us. And isn't that so true? When we point a finger at someone else, always realize we have three fingers pointing back at us. Jesus speaking to the self-righteous in chapter Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 to 5 says the following. He says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, if any of us this morning think we are beyond the reaches of sin, we make a huge mistake. See, self-righteousness is judging others while doing the same thing that we are accusing them of. We are condemning ourselves so often. There is not a single human heart this morning that is not deeply affected by sin. And so if you are sitting comfortably thinking, well, I'm a good person, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so I'll get to heaven based on the fact that I'm better than them, well then, folk, you are lying to yourself. You have a plank in your own eye while trying to take the speck out of someone else's eye. And 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and verse 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, so if you and I say we are sinless, we are without sin, we actually make God out to be a liar. And there's a dangerous teaching going around today in many of our leading denominations in South Africa where sins are kind of ranked from not being so bad to being terrible. And so we sort of categorize sin and there's a teaching going around saying if you get rid of the sins, then you're actually walking in sinless perfection. And that's a total lie from the devil, folk. See, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, Jesus continues and he says, Many on that day will say, Lord, I did miracles, I prophesied, uh, I cast out demons in your name. See, all those big things, the power gifts, the wonderful things we see uh, that, that we think are a display of grace and mercy in the gospel. And notice what Jesus' response to them is. Jesus will say to them, I did not know you. And if you read a little bit further on just after this passage, uh, the true believer is the one not doing power, gifts and miracles and signs and wonders. The true believer is the one who is simply walking in obedience to God's word and dependent on grace and mercy from Jesus. You see, folk, we need to understand this morning that sin is sin. And self-righteous judgment of others brings condemnation on ourselves. So Paul is not saying in these verses we shouldn't take a stand on the truth or the gospel or stand against, against sin. Yes, he does. We need to be taking our stand against sin. We need to be speaking out against sin. But when we do, Paul is warning us not to get proud or arrogant or self-righteous in our salvation and how we speak to the world. We are not called to speak at the world. We are called to speak lovingly to sinners who need the grace of God. See, folk, we need to remember that we had nothing to do with our salvation at all. It was all God. <clears throat> you and I have got nothing to do with our own salvation. And that's what Paul says. At whatever point you judge the other, you are actually condemning yourself. 
See, we are sinners like the rest of the world. You and I are as broken as the world around us. We have the same potential to hate and murder and to fall into sexual sin as any other person. In fact, we have the same heart, the same heart that beat in Hitler, beats in every one of us. We have the potential to be the next Hitler, every single one of us. It is only by God's grace and God's mercy that this sinfulness is held back and withheld. See, folk, we need to be careful that we don't become arrogant and self-righteous in our salvation. You see, verse 2 and 3, Paul says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think you'll honestly escape God's judgment? See, God's judgment against so-called bad people, the world out there doing these crazy sins that we consider so serious, is based on the truth of God's word. And it's the same truth, the same truth of God's word that is used to judge our hearts. It's the same truth by which we will be judged. And if we are doing the same things, even if it's in, in our own hearts, we face the same judgment as the world. See, we judge the world for their sins based on Scripture. <coughs> Excuse me. Yet we tolerate sin in our own lives. And we cannot do that. So be careful of being like the Pharisees, the self-righteous leaders of Jesus' day. Because self-righteous people will face judgment. The first thing we see from this text. If you are self-righteous, reveling in your own righteousness you will face the judgment of God one day. But we also notice, secondly, that self-righteous people actually show a contempt for the grace of God. Self-righteous people show total contempt for the grace of God. Did you see that in verse 4? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? See, Paul makes it very clear, doesn't it? When we, be, when we begin to believe that we are good enough for God by what we do, by our actions, by our own goodness. So if we believe that this morning, we show contempt for God's kindness, tolerance and patience with us. You see how Paul describes salvation and the gospel? It is God's kindness, God's tolerance and patience with us in Christ. And that little word contempt literally means to think nothing of or to despise. To think nothing of or to despise. So when we depend on our own actions and ourselves for salvation, when we take pride in our own goodness, we actually show that we think nothing of God's great salvation. We actually despise God's great salvation. Did you see that God's salvation in Jesus Christ, sending Christ to die for us as a ransom for many, was God's kindness shown towards us? See, God does not give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us punishment and death if we are in Christ. Rather, if we, He sends His Son, Jesus, and Jesus comes and He prays, pays the price on our behalf. The Bible describes it as a ransom for many. He pays the price. He dies the death that you and I should die. And that is why salvation in Jesus Christ is great kindness and patience displayed by God. See, this grace and mercy, this kindness, Paul says, it's this grace and mercy and kindness that leads us to repentance. See, when we taste of the grace and the mercy of God, the forgiveness in Jesus, 
we are led to repentance. And it's only, you notice, you see that repentance is only because God has moved towards us in mercy. The Holy Spirit has already been working on us before we are saved, drawing us closer and allowing us to taste and see that God is good. And it's only because of this work of God that repentance is possible. You see, it is grace, it is mercy, it is kindness of the gospel. It's not judgment that unlocks the human heart. And let us never forget that. When we go to the world, let us go with a message of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience in Jesus Christ, forgiveness that is possible through Him alone. The only reason you and I are saved today is because God chose you, God called you, and God saved you. It is all God. It's not because of how good or how brilliant you are or how holy you are. No, no, not at all. It's only because of God's kindness to you. So be careful how arrogantly you look down on others. Be careful how arrogantly and how prideful you judge others. Believing that we are better than others shows arrogance and self-righteousness and an absolute contempt for God's grace and the great price that was paid for our sin. So self-righteous people will be judged. Self-righteous people show contempt for the grace of God. And notice self-righteous people, Paul says, also store up wrath and judgment for themselves in heaven. Self-righteous people store up wrath and judgment for themselves in heaven, verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. And weren't those two things that Paul mentions in verse 5, stubbornness and unrepentant heart, those were the typical marks of the self-righteous religious person that Jesus confronted so often in his own life. See, aren't those the exact characteristics that we see in the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day, and the stubbornness and this unrepentance that leads to them crucifying Jesus? See, the religious leaders of the day considered themselves better than others. They were justified in their own minds by the law and by their legalism and by, by their great displays of righteousness, outward righteousness. And yet Jesus describes them as whitewashed graves. And as we read the Gospels and we read his interactions with these, the, these uh, religious leaders, you see their stubbornness, their unwillingness to bow the knee and their unrepentance in their hearts. They had an appearance of godliness, but there was death in their hearts. See, and isn't that the picture and the mark of someone who is self-righteous, someone who is, is saved by his own works in his own mind? And when we stubbornly ignore our own mistakes, we have great potential for evil. When we live unrepentant lives, where we refuse to admit or to deal with our sins, we are storing up for ourselves wrath and judgment on the day when Christ returns. Oh, folk, that we would realize that even the smallest sin is as bad as the worst sin. There's no good and shades of sin. Sin is sin. And the arrogant, self-righteous person receives the same judgment as the sinful pagan world. And doesn't Jesus, on this, in his Sermon on the Mount, uh, in the Gospels, doesn't he show that exactly? He says, you've heard it said that uh, do not commit murder, but I say to you, if you look at your brother with anger, you've committed murder. 
Uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You see, folk, what Jesus does is he takes the law just from being an outward actions and he, and he takes it to the heart. We need to realize that sin is not just the bad things we think, say or do, but sin is a heart condition. And every single one of us as human beings struggle with those sins, struggle with sinful thoughts, struggle with sin. Uh, and the sad reality is we've just categorized what sin is good and what sin is bad. We've got these respectable sins that we tolerate. And Jesus says, no, no, don't be stubborn. Don't be unrepentant in those sins. Bring them to the cross. Bow your knee to Jesus in these areas. Otherwise, you receive the same judgment as the pagan world. In chapter 1, God's wrath is being poured out against the ungodliness of the world. In chapter 2, God's wrath is being stored up for those good people who seem to have it right, yet are stubborn and unrepentant in their self-righteousness, their arrogance and their pride. What a scary thought, isn't it? What a scary thought. Are you starting to see, starting to understand how far we all fall short of the grace of God. How far we all miss the mark. That is why Paul can say in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. See folks, self-righteous people will be judged. Self-righteous people uh, show contempt for the grace of God. And self-righteous people store up for themselves wrath and judgment in heaven and that's why calvin calls this the doctrine of of sin total depravity the word called phrase was coined total depravity we are all every one of us totally depraved and desperately in need of the gospel and that drives us back to romans chapter 1 verse 16 is it in the gospel in jesus is the power of god on display the power of god over sin the power of god to set us free from judgment the power of God to give us not what we deserve, but what we don't deserve. The power of God to, to make us righteous, even when we are not, even when we are still struggling with sin. You see, a righteousness from God has been revealed in Jesus. And so in ourselves, in our own good deeds, we will never, ever be good enough. We miss the mark. Do you notice verses 6 to 9? Lastly, that God's righteous judgment, God's righteous judgment will be meted out on that day on the self-righteous. God's righteous judgment of the self-righteous. And, and, and Paul describes this for us in verses 6 to 9. God's righteous judgment of those who are self-righteous. Verse 6, God will give to each person, a person according to what he's done. And it almost sounds like Paul is contradicting himself. He's saying we're not saved by our good works, but God is going to judge us by our good works. And it seems like a contradiction, but it's actually not when we read verse 6 with verse 7 and 8. See, Paul makes it clear what our motivation is for good works. Well, the good works we do are motivated by our love for Jesus and advancing the kingdom. Our good works are not motivated by wanting to get and earn our place in eternity. See, we do good works because God has already done the good work of saving us. And so our good works are a response to our salvation. Our good works, the good things we do, are not to prop us up and make ourselves feel proud. No, the good things we do are a display of God's favor upon our lives, our response to the gospel. 
And that's why Paul can say God will give to each person according to what he's done because the motivation of the heart will reflect that. Did you see that in verse 7? To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. See, what does Paul mean with those words? Well, to those who are faithfully living a good life, a life of goodness in response to the gospel, seeking the advance of his glory, God's glory, his kingdom, for his glory alone, our lives reflect the love for Jesus. Our lives and our good deeds are an expression of true faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Didn't Jesus himself say, by their fruit you will know them. By the fruit of your lives you will know them. And James himself says, faith without works is dead in James chapter 2 verse 18. So our faith, our faith needs to be reflected in our good deeds. Our faith needs to be reflected in our good deeds. Good deeds flow from a heart changed by our gospel. And they are visible evidence of God at work in our lives. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. See, so we live a life doing good works, not to bring glory to ourselves, but seeking His kingdom, seeking His glory. But do you see in contrast, verse 8 and 9, but when we do good deeds for our own glory, for our own fame and praise, when we deny the truth about ourselves, the truth that we are sinners in need of salvation, we face only judgment. You see that in verse 8 and 9, but for those who are self-seeking, Remember, self-seeking in their good deeds. And to reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For all people, there will be trouble and distress for those who do evil. Those who are self-seeking and trying to, uh, to, to make themselves feel better about themselves, look better than others around them. Good deeds done out of a place of self-seeking and self-interest. Did you see that Paul describes them as evil? So when we do good deeds in an attempt to prop ourselves up, to show our own goodness, to, to earn the praise of the world, to earn salvation, well, Paul says we bring only trouble and distress upon ourselves on that day. And that's for both Jews and Gentiles. Everyone is in the same boat, folk. And so when we talk about self-righteousness, we talk about good deeds being seen as a means to get to heaven. And Paul says, if that is why you are living the good life, to earn salvation, well, then in fact, it is just pure, pure, plain evil and will be judged on that day. You see, folk, our desire to live a good life, our desire to... To, to do the good deeds that we are destined to do according to Ephesians when we are in Christ. Christ is the motivation. His kingdom advance is the motivation. And if that is the, the motivation, we will receive our reward, reward in heaven one day. You see God's basis for His judgment. God doesn't show favoritism, Paul says in verse 11. God shows no favoritism based on what we do. God's judgment will take place based on our response to Jesus and to Him alone. And so when we believe, uh, believing that we are better than others, that we are good people and not bad people, we deny the gospel. We bring judgment on ourselves and we place our faith in our own good works and not in Jesus. See, if our good works are simply evidence of, of our faith in Jesus Christ, they flow from a heart changed by the gospel and a response to what God 
has already done for us in Jesus Christ. So be careful this morning how quickly you judge others. Be careful how quickly you point fingers at others and the world. And remember the grace that was shown to you in your sinfulness. The grace that was extended to you that brought you to salvation. See, that is the same grace we need to be extending to those in the world who do not know Jesus. There is no place for self-righteousness in the kingdom of God. It is grace that unlocks the human heart. Oh, folk, may we extend this grace to the world that people will be saved. People need forgiveness. They don't need judgment. People need to be set free from the guilt and shame within which they are walking. And it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation, the good news of God's kindness, God's favor, and God's patience towards us. That's what the world needs to hear. Oh, folk, may we take Paul's message this morning so seriously. Self-righteous people will be judged. Self-righteous people show contempt for His grace. Self-righteous people store up for themselves a judgment in heaven and God's righteous judgment will take place on that day against the evil of the world and the evil of self-righteousness. And so this morning we need to walk in humility, thankfulness, grace and mercy. We need to walk in that grace and mercy of God that was revealed and is revealed in the gospel. See, folk, this morning, let's take it to heart. Good people don't get to heaven. Only saved sinners get to heaven. The basis of our rescue is Jesus alone. The basis of our rescue is by grace alone, through faith alone. Oh, may I challenge us this morning. You go and just explore your own heart. And uh, just realize that we are broken, sinful human beings. Yes, we are saved by the gospel. Yes, we are saved by Jesus. But folk, we still make mistakes. And when we make those mistakes, the wonderful thing about 1 John 1 verse 9 is when we confess our sins, when we confess our brokenness and, our, and walk in humility before God, then He is faithful and just to forgive us. See, folk, the price has been paid in full. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more. There is nothing we can do to make God love us less. He loves us because of Jesus Christ. The gospel that saves us, the gospel that rescues us by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. And may that keep us humble and may that destroy self-righteousness in us. And when we look at the world, let's not look at the world from an arrogant, we're better than you point of view. When we look at the world, may we see what Jesus sees. The fields are white unto harvest. The gospel needs to be preached to broken, hurting people. And may we extend that gospel through our actions, through our attitudes, through our hearts towards sinners, and through loving displays of grace and mercy. The same loving grace and mercy that was extended to us. Well, let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you just for this wonderfully challenging word that challenges our own self-righteousness in each one of us. The self-righteousness that says, I'm better than you. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we never walk with that heart. May we never walk with a mind thinking that we are somehow better than the world out there, the sinner next door to us. Oh God, may we be reminded of how you rescued us from darkness and brought us into light. May we be reminded of our own sinful hearts 
And that when we sin and when we fail, we are reminded that sin deeply affects every single one of us. But thank you that when you said those words, it is finished on the cross. The job of saving us was done. The rescue was complete. And now we can simply fall and land uh, on, on your grace and your, and, and your forgiveness. Thank you that we can simply take hold of it, not because of anything in us, but because of your work through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Thank you that our salvation is not dependent on how good we are. Thank you that our salvation is a free gift, a demonstration of your kindness to us. And thank you that when we embrace Jesus, a righteousness from God is displayed in us. A great exchange takes place. Our sinfulness is taken on Christ and Christ's righteousness is given to us. And thank you that we can take this message of hope to the world. Thank you that there is hope for even the worst sinner, the worst sinner like you and I. Oh Lord Jesus, may we walk in humility. May we speak with love. May we live lives that are marked and shout to the world, the grace of God is revealed in Jesus. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.